A new baby has been born, and it has changed the world. For those of the uh, who are still uninitiated to this particular icon, <laughs> it is a depiction of a couple of characters uh, from a new Star Wars television show called The Mandalorian. Uh, that's The Mandalorian in the back there, uh, a galactic bounty hunter who finds his heart strangely warmed by this creature in the front with enormous eyes and large fuzzy ears. Now this creature has been dubbed Baby Yoda by the masses and over the past month or so has broken the internet several times as the focus of an insane number of memes. Among the hundreds, here's one that caught my attention. He's really cute, isn't he? <laughs> Baby Yoda. Um, now, before you accuse me of simply pandering to pop culture on Christmas Eve, there's something I find really interesting about this explosion around these memes of Baby Yoda. First off, the name of this character isn't actually Baby Yoda. Actually, the name of this cherubic short green thing is The Child, which one television critic has noted that um, an infant of mysterious parentage is imbued with the life force of the universe, which might make you think of something at this time of year. And so there's been versions like this one. That's the, uh, the ghosts of Jedi's past there. And it's my sense that the reason why Baby Yoda in specific and the Star Wars galaxies of stories in general have inspired such devotion over decades is like any good mythic story, they evoke deep truths. Truths that resonate with us in ways that we might not be able to articulate, but know are very real. That's why we tell stories as humans. Because over time, as the stories wash over us like water and wind over stone, they begin to form and shape us even when we aren't aware that they're there. In fact, the Swedish writer Henning Munkel once wrote that a truer nomination for our species than Homo sapiens might be Homo neurons, the storytelling person. Munkel's argument was not that the biologists are wrong or that we are not thinking creatures, but that we are also, and maybe even primarily, 
storytelling creatures. We tell stories because they comfort us. We tell stories because they challenge us. We tell stories to help create meaning in a world that can easily feel cold, cruel, and arbitrary. We tell the stories of our lives all the time, every day. Some of them we are even aware of. Many of them we are simply telling ourselves and others over and over and over again. There are stories about how you came to be who you are. They can be inspiring and frightening and often are a mix of both. There are stories about who you're not supposed to be. And those stories are often told by others who want us to behave in a certain way, which can be helpful and can be hurtful. There are stories about who your people are, where they came from, how and when they got here, and what they left behind. And especially today, at this time in our history, there are stories about who you belong to, why you belong to this kind of a person, but definitely not that one. And so that's actually why we are gathered here in the dark of night, to hear this story again. We tell Luke's version of the incarnation of God with us every year, in part because it is so well told. It starts with this broad brush, placing us in the landscape of history, and then slowly it tightens its focus until we find two travelers slowly making their way to ancestral village to be registered by the empire. And fundamentally, why I believe we tell this story is because it's so human. We can identify with this story. We know what it's like to make long journeys, unsure of the end. We know what it's like to be scared, anxious, and excited about childbirth. We know what it's like to be counted as a number in a system that has little interest to know us as a person. We tell this story every year because it is so particular. It happened at a particular time in human history and in a particular place in this world. Because of this, our primary origin story was shaped by the cultural forces that surrounded it. Much like our own. For this story we tell this silent night is not the only story that is being told right now. 
There are all kinds of stories that are forming us when we aren't paying attention. One story that seems to be entrancing citizens all over the world is the ancient story of nationalism. From England to Russia to China to the United States of America. The powerful story that is being told simultaneously somehow is that the other people, whoever they are, that they cannot be trusted. We only can be righteous, pure, and powerful. This same story is actually told in a very specific way in this country. And it's told in the form of racial supremacy. It's a pernicious story with centuries-old roots. That some of us are inherently inferior and some are inherently superior because of who our ancestors are. And it's a story whose insidious tendrils have wound their way into just about everything we do and say and think. Or the story that we tell about what we have and what we don't have. This story about economic inequality goes like this. You see, there just isn't enough for all of us. And so some way or another, we have each received what we deserve. That's just the way things are. Or so the story goes. Whether it's through the histories that we have been taught or the media that we consume, every day we encounter these stories and their attempts to shape and reshape us in very certain directions. But these stories, as powerful as they may be, they are not the story that we tell tonight. No, the story we tell tonight is of courageous people caught in a moment much bigger than themselves, trusting that God's ever-present promise of justice, of wholeness, of mercy, of forgiveness, that this promise is real and can be known. It's the story of a family at the mercy of an empire, an empire that has forced all, including Mary, to travel as she is about to give birth. It's the story of an overcrowded house with distant relatives cramming every possible space and still making room. It's the story of a young woman giving birth for the first time in the place where the animals sleep. And in the midst of it all, when it seems so dreadful and so bleak, it's the story of our God breaking in and the glorious, impossible scene 
and God with us arriving. And we tell this story, this holy night, because it was told. And it was told to the most unlikely of recipients. Remember, when the divine messengers came to share this news, they didn't tell Emperor Augustus. They didn't tell Governor Quirinius. They didn't tell King Herod. They didn't tell the priests. The angels of the Lord bearing good news of great joy, news that would change the world, gave this news to a bunch of shepherds. They proclaimed the fulfillment of our deepest yearnings to a group of people who were so distrusted that their testimony couldn't even be used in a court of law. Why? Why would the shepherds, people literally living on the edges of society, why would they be the first people to receive this news? I believe that the angels told the shepherds first because this story is first told to the people who need to hear it most. Make no mistake, we all get to hear it. But throughout Luke's gospel, this news comes first to those who are hurting, those who are held down. This is just as true for us as it was for them. Those who receive this news first are the ones who are most likely and ready to hear it. And the reason why we hear this story again tonight is because it still has the power to shape us. I don't know, maybe that's why Baby Yoda struck such a chord. Because in a world bent on coercive power, in a world where people are willing to say just about anything that will get them to their desired end, in a world where hope feels increasingly hard to come by, we are desperate for a story about a child, an innocent in a world of chaos, a newborn king who changes everything. We tell this story tonight, friends, because we need to hear it. We need to see it. We need to sing it. We need to feel it, even if we cannot fully comprehend it. This is why we tell this story tonight, because it's not just about a moment in the first century in some backwater province of the Roman Empire. It's about right now. We've come this night to tell this story of a joy that encompasses the deepest sorrow, of a peace that endures the fiercest violence, of a love more powerful than the mightiest of empires, 
We've come this night to tell this story so that we, you and I, bearers of this hope, can head back into this sacred, broken, waiting world and tell it ourselves. <laughs>